0: Washington State podcast. Here's your host, Scott Cowan. So, my guest today is Alexis Devine and her dog, Bunny. Um, what I found out just recently is that Alexis and Bunny live in Tacoma, and so they're part of Washington State. So, let's talk to them. Uh, welcome to the show, Alexis. Thank you for being here.
1: Hi, thanks for having us.
0: So, like I told you before I hit the record button, I may be one of the only people in North America. To have not realized that you have a dog that can talk or communicates and that you are uh, pretty darn big on Instagram and TikTok and in all these social media platforms. I'd like to just ask, how did you how did you start this with with Bunny? And I, can you take us through the the beginning journey of it?
1: Sure. So um, I'd wanted a dog for very, very long time. And it just hadn't sort of been situationally appropriate. And, and finally it was, so I did a ton of research. I was very invested in having the most connected relationship possible, really invested in the training process. And a few months before we brought Bunny home, I found Christina hunger online, hunger for words, and uh, she's a speech-language pathologist down in San Diego that was the first to be using augmentative and alternative communication to teach her own dog, Stella, how to communicate in this way. And like the rest of the world, I was wildly inspired... Um, you know, it's kind of a childhood dream for us to be able to communicate with our animals in this way and for them to be able to tell us that they love us, to express their needs and wants. Um, So, yeah, with zero expectation, I got some buttons. I put an outside button by the door. It was waiting for Bunny when she came home and just sort of started casually modeling. Every time uh, we would go outside, I'd press the outside button. I'd say the word outside. Then we'd go outside and within a few weeks, Bunny was using the outside button um, herself consistently to tell us that she needed to go outside. And at that point in time, it was sort of game on. So I added that button um, and a few more to a plywood board with Velcro. And we've been expanding our board ever since.
0: And so about how long has that been now? Um, that you've been uh, expanding the board?
1: Yeah, just over a year. She's about okay, 15 for, months old now. And uh, she was two months old and we brought her home.
0: Okay. So f- let's just say for a year for easy math for me. Sure. Over the last year, how many buttons have have how many buttons does she use regularly?
1: Well, she has about seventy eight buttons right now. Um, okay. Some of them uh, she's exploring, but doesn't necessarily fully grasp yet. Um, and I'd say well over half of those she uses consistently in conversation or to request things. Uh, so yeah, well over half of them are are part of her daily vernacular. So
0: you're saying in a way that she's got a vocabulary of 30 to 40 words right now.
1: I would say Absolutely. so. Yeah.
0: Well, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. What is her, in your opinion, or we could ask her and then she could push a button up. But, um, <laughs> what is her favorite phrase? What is it do you think is her favorite?
1: Uh, well, she loves asking for her best doggy friend by name. I'm not going to okay. say it out loud right now because she's right here and in FID, sure. so go crazy. Um, okay. She loves asking to go to the park and the beach, and she really likes talking about poop right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like a, like the, a typical well, toddler. <laughs> let's
0: just hope that's a phase, right? That she grows out of that.
1: Yes. Yes, let's
0: hope. Now, I, one of your videos... Now, as I told you before I hit record, I purposely haven't watched a lot of the videos because I didn't want to... I'm kind of trying to go into this with this... Uh, open, without expectations. But one of the video, one of the things I thought, and then I saw it in one of your videos, was you'd never get a cat to do this. And um, our cats would just, you know, they couldn't be bothered. And you appear to have a cat.
1: Yeah, we have two cats, actually.
0: So does she ever interact, does Bunny ever interact with the board regarding about the cats?
1: Well, we had three cats when we brought her home. One of them was a very, very, very old black cat and um, when Bunny was quite small she would use the buttons to sort of try to incite play from that cat she would press (laughs) come play 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 mad that sort of thing Um, (laughs) our other two cats tend to avoid Bunny so they spend the majority of their time upstairs while Bunny is downstairs so she doesn't interact too much with them and the board but she does talk about them when they're down here Uh, we have these sort of cat forms which are on this pole in the center of our living room where the cats can get up high and escape and sometimes she'll see the cats up there and she'll say cat upstairs or cat mad um, but more talking to me about them than to them um, okay. and the, the cats seem honestly completely disinterested in using the buttons <laughs> you know dogs have been sort of evolutionarily selected to communicate with us and and cats are much less inclined to try and please us. That's my sense at least. But there are several cats that are learning how to do this with buttons quite successfully, actually.
0: There are. See, I, I think of jokingly, I think of cats as we're here to serve them. And yes. <laughs> that, you know, unless the buttons were to their benefit, they wouldn't, they wouldn't bother. At least, at least our cats wouldn't. Our cats, yeah, no. Um,
1: uh, same with our cats.
0: So she started, you started using the button to go outside and she does that how much of the day, so you, okay. At the time of recording, we're still all in a quote unquote global pandemic. So we're all spending a lot of time at home. So you're spending more time at home now than you might've been say a year ago. How much of your day do you spend working with her and the board?
1: Well, that's really determined by her. Um, when, when I first started, I thought, that it would be important to set up a sort of training protocol around the buttons in the same way that I do with obedience and trick training. Like we've got three, five minute sessions a day or one half hour session a day. So I tried to implement that. And what I found was that she was less motivated to use them when we did it that way and became more frustrated by them. So, um, at this point in time, the way the learning happens is if she approaches the board, to start pressing buttons, which she does um, frequently throughout the day, I can turn that into a a learning moment for her. Um, But I don't, um, I don't ever sort of make her use the buttons. I don't ever sort of implement any training sessions. It's all based on when she's active and motivated to use the buttons of her own accord.
0: And do you find that to be a fairly regular occurrence that she, she likes to use the board? Is she, um, or does she, lose interest in it for a while and then come back to it? I mean, does she go days without paying attention to it or,
1: um, no, she's, she's quite chatty. Um, (laughs) on, on days, on days when it's raining, she's a little bit more quiet, um, and tends to sleep a bit more, but on average, I'd say she's at the buttons for half hour, 45 minutes total throughout the day just wow. on and off. Yeah. Um, wow. Usually okay. our, our, our day will look something like this. Uh, we get up, I have some coffee, do a little bit of work. She snoozes for a little bit and then she's at the buttons for, I don't know, 10 minutes or so sort of back and forth with me. She'll request beach. Cause that's where we normally go in the morning. She'll request poop and potty. She'll talk about some other things. Um, so we go for a little walk, come back, I do a little more work. She's chill for a little bit and afternoon comes and she'll talk a little bit about time. Maybe those, that's a concept that she's been exploring a lot right now. Um, and some other random chit chats and then maybe we'll do a training session and then she'll request the park. So we'll go to the park, come back. She'll sleep for a few hours. I'll get some more work done. And, um, then evening when, when Johnny and I are eating dinner, she's usually pretty chatty as well. Uh, so that's how it goes typically.
0: Wow, does she ever ask for um, for food this way? Does she just
1: we we don't actually have any food related buttons on the board, and this is for a couple of reasons. I didn't want a button push to ever be associated with food because I didn't want I didn't want people to be able to say she's pressing any button because she can get a treat, and I didn't want that way. I didn't want that to be the type of um, lesson that she was learning, so we've never used treats in conjunction with the board at all. It's all uh, motivated by primary reinforcers, like outside is is reinforced by going outside, play is reinforced by playing, and some of the more abstract concepts are being reinforced by her need to be understood. That's what it seems like, at least.
0: That's that's fascinating. So I'm on. This is the first time I've ever been on a on TikTok, so <laughs> I'm the last person in in America to be on TikTok. And I'm just looking on your. I'm not signed in. I'm just looking on your TikTok page, and I'm so if I mouse over a video, it starts to play. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the board. This is not something you've designed. This is something that you've found. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and the layout of it? Is there a strategy to how it's currently configured and laid out
1: yeah absolutely so about six months into our process um I contacted Leo Trottier, who is a cognitive scientist down in San Diego. He was creating a canine-specific AAC device and looking for beta testers. And I immediately saw this, and I was like, yes, I would like to be a beta tester for this product. Um, You know, because I'm basically from day one, I'm just making this up as I go. Um, I did some reading about augmentative and alternative communication, about modeling, about... um, uh, canine cognition about, um, language development in children. So I'm just sort of like piecing together as much information as I could, but I was very excited to have a cognitive scientist on board to help sort of guide me through some of the more technical elements of this process. Um, so the board that we're using now is, um, it's got a bunch of different hex tiles. So there's six buttons in each tile and they're all arranged based on the Fitzgerald key. And the Fitzgerald key was developed by Edith Fitzgerald in the early 1900s. She was a deaf teacher, um, who wanted to develop a system for deaf children to be able to learn syntax and grammar more efficiently. So each of the hex tiles has a different type of word, a different sentence part. So there's, we've got our people, we've got our Actions. We've got our places, we've got our feelings, that sort of thing. So instead of having to remember where the mad button is in this massive sort of cluster of buttons, she can look at the tiles and be like, this tile is where my feelings are. This tile is where my people are. This tile is where my places are and sort of compartmentalize those buttons in her brain.
0: Okay. And then, so the layout is kind of, they're all connected, but there's gaps what I'm looking on on the videos, are you going to be over time do you do you envision adding more options for her over time?
1: Yeah, I'll continue adding buttons um, as long as she continues to be engaged and interested. If she ever okay. loses interest, then we'd probably just stop and push push the board aside but uh right now she's really engaged and i'm constantly thinking to myself what could she be wanting to communicate right now and that sort of informs my choices about what buttons to add
0: that's very cool that's that's very cool i'm these are just she's well she's a really cute dog and I'm (laughs) i'm sure you've heard that a lot but um she's a very cute dog and she's very engaging um this is this is quite cool um I'm reading one here. The title is bomb poop in here. Um, okay. Uh, (laughs) And bunny want to play tango today. Awesome. These are, this is just really cool. So you mentioned she likes to go to the beach and park. And so you're in Tacoma. We're not getting out like we used to, but what do you guys like to do? Does she, does she get in the car with you? Do you guys drive around? Does she like to travel?
1: Um, yeah, so we haven't, been traveling nearly as much as we normally do. Normally we take long road trips, we go on climbing trips, we go, you know across state lines, um, and haven't been doing much of that. She doesn't love the car because as a puppy, she was quite carsick. Um, so although she's not carsick anymore, she still has a little bit of an aversion to getting in the car, but we do take her on on car trips just to continue that sort of counter conditioning and desensitization. Um, mm-hmm. We spend a lot of time in the park um, Tacoma has the second largest city park in the nation. Second, only to, um, central park in New York, which is wonderful. It's so mm-hmm. beautiful. So we spend a ton of time. There's just like multitudes of trails. That you can walk on, not see another person for miles. Uh, so we spend a lot of time in the park. We spent a lot of time on the beach. Um, and we what's her, a lot what's her
0: favorite. Do you think, does she like the beach or does she like the trails?
1: I think she likes the trails more right now because there's always an opportunity for sort of novel exploration there. The beach mm-hmm. is sort of as is all the time, although it changes quite a bit. It's still same, you know, one direction, one beach back and forth. But The trails <laughs> you can always find somewhere new to explore. So, right.
0: okay. Now that's, that's in your right. The, the park is, you know, it's point defiance and it's, it's an amazing, beautiful, uh, I don't know if people in Tacoma truly appreciate just how lucky they are to have that in their backyard.
1: Yeah, it's really amazing.
0: It's it's an awesome an awesome park. How okay. So you're currently kind of working with this this scientist to in your you're involved in a study to m- learn more about how the animals might be able to communicate with us. Can you elaborate more on that? How did you get started in that and what what is maybe the overarching goal of this is, is there a goal from, from the study? Is there that they're trying to. Sure. What, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. So Help um, me out.
0: that's a little, little ambiguous of a question.
1: No, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, after connecting with Leo, um, I learned that this was the, the plan all along was to turn this into a larger study and sort of learn how our animals sort of, learn language or how they process language. Can they develop language? Is it possible for them to develop a syntax? It's the sort of age old debate between, um, Skinner and Chomsky is language learned or is it innate? And so, uh, yes. So it's part of the comparative cognition lab down at UCSD at the moment. Um, there are currently over a thousand animals that are part of the study. Uh, the vast majority of them are dogs There are a ton of cats though. There are a couple of horses and, um, I've actually seen a lizard using the buttons. I've seen a parrot using the buttons and a guinea pig using the buttons. So there are just multitudes of different animals, um, that are using the buttons to various levels of effectiveness. And we are in phase one of the study right now. So, um, I currently have five cameras on her board at all times. So every two weeks, yeah. So it's, yeah, every two weeks, all of that data is being downloaded and then uploaded to the Comparative Cognition Lab so they can annotate, find patterns um, and get a bigger picture of what's going on. Because obviously, you know, to my social media accounts, I'm posting the most compelling videos, but I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of videos. Um, They're not all, super clear. Sometimes she presses buttons that don't make sense to me. And the scientists really want to look at that data as well and see what could be going on. Uh, so there are many, many animals that are also contributing data in this way. Um, and then phase two and phase three are going to go a little bit more in depth. I think they're going to have a few pilot animals where they will be going to homes and, um, have potentially the owner out of the picture and the scientists interacting directly with the learner and the board. I'm not exactly sure about that yet, though. They aren't telling me everything because they don't want to prematurely bias me. So,
0: Oh, wow. So you have five cameras recording all the time. Yes. So it's not just this, this, and this is interesting, because it's not just the snippets that we're seeing on social media. So the study is really just kind of, kind of like a variation of the Truman show where, um, if you, I don't know if you ever saw that movie with yeah. Jim Carrey, you know, it's kind of like we're, we're recording Bunny's life, not in a, in, but in a, in a positive way. I don't mean it in a negative way, but it's, so they're literally sitting there and somebody's going through these, this film, if not digital, but, um, yep. they're going through and, and watching and trying to pick up on, on how the animals are learning. That's kind of mind blowing. Okay. Yeah,
1: it's it's really amazing. And the the fact that there's such a, a large data pool is one of the more compelling pieces to me. You're going to get so much more information. It's not just going to be, you know, one animal, is this animal extraordinary? But like this right. huge pool of data that they can pull information from. And another thing that's really wonderful about it, I think, is that, um, I think I said this before, dogs have been sort of evolutionarily selected to mm-hmm. live and communicate with us. So some of the primate studies that were done, Coco, Kanzi, Washo, Nim, um, they took these animals out of the wild, right? And put them mm-hmm. into completely unnatural situations and their language learning um, had a lot of sort of ethical implications that weren't necessarily positive. But with um, dogs in particular, this is what they've been bred to do. They've been bred to communicate with us. So as long as you're trying to understand them on their terms first... Um, the ethical implications are are low. The negative ethical implications,
0: rather, right? Right. So, how did you get started, or how did Bunny get started on social media? What was the, what was the? Walk me through this. The idea to get started is put sharing Bunny's exploits. I guess is a good word. Um, online.
1: Yeah, so I had started an Instagram account for her um right at the beginning. So I was just sharing puppy pictures and small training videos and as she started to to learn the buttons, I started sharing videos like that and then pandemic hit and uh one of my friends was constantly texting me TikTok videos and I was like, "Ah, oh, these are kind of fun. I maybe I should check out TikTok." And so I did, and I was like, oh, I'll start an account for Bunny. We'll see what happens. And within a month, she had a million followers, and it just kind of grew from there. It was um, definitely not something we expected, Uh, but yeah, we're rolling with it.
0: A million followers in a month. That's... Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what else. We can just stop right there. Wow. You and Bunny have been featured on numerous um, publications. Um, I saw USA Today, Seattle Times, Tacoma News Tribune. I saw a Verge article. I mean, you've you've obviously captivated an audience. Why do you think that is?
1: Well, um, I think Bunny's really cute. Yeah, and, <laughs> and yeah, I, and I think that. It's a dream for a lot of people to be able to communicate with their animals in this way, to really know what's going on on a deeper level. And I also think that many people believe, as they should, that their animals are sentient creatures with rich internal monologues. And they've got a lot more going on cognitively than maybe we thought, you know, so Uh, This sort of brings that to light and validates a lot of people's beliefs that yes, our animals do understand us. Yes, we can have a deeper relationship through communication. And even without the buttons, people are messaging me all the time saying that they're just taking more time to listen to their animal, to try and understand what they're saying, um, to deepen their connection. And that's really a beautiful thing.
0: No, that's, that's amazing. What is Bunny's currently, because everything's current, I mean, it could change tomorrow, but what is Bunny's favorite toy? In some of your videos, I'm seeing toys around the house. So what is her go-to toy right now?
1: Her favorite toy is anything that's not meant for her. So any cat toys (laughs) um, or any abandoned toy at the park. If she finds like a, a busted tennis ball at the park, it is her new favorite toy. So we have a bunch of like broken, dirty, scrunched up toys that were abandoned by other animals. Those are her favorites.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Our our dog used to his thing was the cat toys too. So that's, yeah. that's interesting. Our dog he, he you know he had plenty of dog toys, but no, he wanted to steal whatever the cat exactly. Had was, and
1: she's you know. so delicate too. You know those tiny little mice that that cats mm-hmm. play with that are sometimes, you know, dipped in catnip. She loves those. She'll just like gently pick them up between her baby front teeth and throw it up in the air and, and then pick it up again and throw it up in the air. And we we watch very carefully <sighs> because I know those could be a, a choking hazard, but, um, right. She, yeah, she's very delicate with them.
0: That's, that's, that's very cool. Before the pandemic, you were doing, um, I don't know if I want to call it jewelry. Can we can we talk about your 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 fashion? Well, I'm reading here: fashion and accessories, school yeah. versus coyote. What? How did you? What started you on that path? I I read that you're a self self-taught, self-taught artist. Yeah. How did you end up? Because this is some amazingly intricate pieces. This is not something you just grab and. Th- throw on as you walk out of the house sometimes
1: well i would maybe maybe (laughs) people
0: do i don't know (laughs) so how'd you get started and what was the what was that evolution and journey like
1: yeah i think it, it had been a long time coming um i've always been an artist um never really thought to pursue it as a career i i sort of never thought i was capable um and i've also always been really inspired by things that are not only unique, but challenging and maybe, um, not something that I've seen before. So, you know, I, I did my fair share of painting and drawing and, um, I never felt like I could get to a place with it where I'd be doing something that was unique enough to stand out. And so I started looking at some sort of medieval inspired art and, Find, finding chain mail designs and sort of scale mail designs that were really interesting. And I was like, I think I could do something with this and maybe bring it into contemporary and future fashion, um, which I'd never really seen done before. So I just got some supplies and started playing around and showed some of my friends, the, the pieces that I was working on. And they were like, this is incredible. And it sort of evolved and grew from there. And, uh, we actually took it to New York fashion week, two years in a row, um, been on the cover of a lot of small magazines, lots of photo shoots, fashion shows. Um, yeah, it it grew and evolved in a really beautiful way. Um, and my tagline for the company was armor for those that dream of vulnerability. And that was sort of, it came from the response that I got from people who were wearing it. They felt like, they put it on and they felt protected enough to sort of be their most authentic selves. And that really, really spoke to me on a deep personal level as well. Um, and so it was really fulfilling to not only make those, but the power of collaboration as well became a really fulfilling part of my life. And it still is. Um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of the premise of, of that business and, and what I had hoped would come from it and, and what it meant to me. That's
0: that's very cool. I'm looking at the Vixen nexla- necklace right now.
1: Oh, yeah. And,
0: and I'm looking at that and that's, I'm putting you on the spot to ask you to talk about a specific piece, but can can you elaborate on that? Um, and I, if, if it's okay with you, I'd like to put a picture of it in the show notes so people can reference it if they choose to. It's, I could see my wife wearing it. I mean, I think my wife would love this piece. So how did you come up with that?
1: I can't even remember which piece is called the Vixen Necklace. So maybe you can describe it for me.
0: Okay. It is um, a traditional Persian six-in-one chainmail weave, brass and black anodized aluminum. Mm.
1: Yes. And and it sort of has like a droopy um, triangular shape coming down.
0: Yes. yes,
1: Yeah. Um, So I was inspired by... Sort of chain mail within chain mail, links within links. Um, okay. So it's a pattern uh, that I'd made in a more basic form many, many times, and I wanted to go a little bit deeper and see how deep I could take it. And I wanted a piece that was wearable um, day to day, but that was also that also still felt sort of like that protective armor at the same time.
0: So are you, are, are you saying that each of these links are hand, are, are you making each of these links individually then?
1: Yes. Then, I open and close every link by hand. Wow.
0: Okay. This, okay. So then the other thing it says here, it says not a lightweight aluminum item. Is this a fairly heavy piece? Um, Would you get tired wearing it around? If, if you were going out today and you were going to be out all day, would this be a piece that you could wear comfortably or would it eventually tire you out?
1: No, it's a piece that I could definitely wear comfortably. I'm not, you know, statement jewelry isn't for everybody, but, um, I've worn that piece comfortably for many, many hours. Um, I love it. I love feeling the weight on my, on my body, even some of my bigger pieces, uh, with the scales. I can wear those for hours and it just feels sort of like this weighted blanket of like a weighted oh. sole blanket, I guess.
0: Okay. All right. That's a, that's an interesting comparison. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's just, it's very cool. And pre-pandemic, you were doing the Tacoma Night Market. Yeah. And you mentioned also the Gay Harbor Night Market, which I wasn't aware of, not that I'm aware of everything. I don't mean like that, but I wasn't aware that there was the, the gay Harbor market. How did you like doing the, the night markets? And was that a fun experience for you? And was it a good venue for your, for your, for your art?
1: Oh yeah. It was the best venue for my art. And, uh, it was an incredibly fun experience. I met so many local artists and developed beautiful relationships with them. Leah, who runs the Tacoma Night Market and the Gig Harbor Night Market, is a, a, just a dear, dear friend of mine. And she, her whole goal was to bring the community together and um, to have people be able to come together and laugh and shop and drink and eat and support local businesses. And that's exactly what it did for the community in a really, really beautiful way. Um, yeah, I was devastated when those had to shut down because of the pandemic and hopefully they'll be firing back up soon. Not sure when, but, um, yeah, it's, it, it became a very, very important part of Tacoma culture.
0: Well, I think that many of us are waiting patiently, impatiently, not patiently, impatiently for being able to go out to social events, whether they be the Tacoma night market are going, seeing an, a musician in our favorite club or going and having dinner without a plastic shower curtain between you and the booth. Next to <laughs> yeah. Uh, we went to a restaurant. I'll just leave it at that. We went to a restaurant and they literally had used shower curtains. Oh no. And it was so bad. <laughs> it was just, I mean, I get it. It accomplished their goal, but yeah, the, the, uh, the least stylish and least the, in the most invasive way possible. At right. least they were clear shower curtains. They weren't, you know, decorated shower curtains. Maybe that would have been better. Uh,
1: yeah, I think it might have been more interesting if they were decorated.
0: <laughs> but I kind of felt like I was in a hazmat environment where it, it just, it just, yeah, no, it was a bad. But I think we're, I think artists and creatives, when we can get back out and share our work have our work seen and appreciated. I think things like the night market, farmer's markets, musical venues, I think they're going to, I hope they're going to have like a renaissance that it's, we're going to come back in full force and support these venues because they're vital to the communities.
1: Absolutely. I think people are dying for events like that. Yeah.
0: We're we're trying to do them virtually and and it's just, I, I haven't. I have not participated in one that I felt was um, a decent compromise. It just—it's just,
1: just, it's just not the same.
0: No. Um, so is it the farmers' market? So you did the Tacoma night market, and then you've you've done a really nice job. I mean, it's your work has been. As I as I look around, you've you've been showcased in a lot of places. So that's that's very cool. And I think the chainmail thing is interesting. I'm on your, oh no, actually I'm on the Seattle Fashion Collective right now. And not that you're going to remember this, but you've got this, this model is wearing, it's silver and it's chains, wrapped around her head with like, I want to say like pearls. They look like pearls and it's hanging down over her eye. And it looks like she's wearing chainmail around her neck and over her shoulders. This is super intricate. So, this must take you a significant amount of time to put these pieces together.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. They take, they take a decent amount of time from execution to like implementation to idea. All of that takes, takes a while. Sometimes I'll sit on an idea for a really long time before I'm able to bring it to fruition.
0: What is your, what is your process to do that from, from concept to actual, you know, prototype, if you will. How do you how do you work through that?
1: Well, it sort of depends on the piece. Um, sometimes I have a totally crazy idea, which is nothing like anything I've ever made before. So I'll just sort of start building. Like I have an idea for what the weave is, like what sort of chainmail weave I want to use. So I'll just start doing that weave until I have you know a, a piece of it, and then I will build off of it. And then sometimes it works out perfectly the shape comes together, it fits and wraps and drapes the way I want it to. And sometimes I have to undo a lot and try again and sort of, you know, sit on it and let it stew and dream on it before I, I sort of approach it again. Um, I get a lot of custom work too, which is really fun. People are like, Oh, I want a thing that looks like this, but with these colors, but with like these drapes and these baubles over here. And that's always really fun. It's always a challenge to take something that's in somebody else's brain and, uh, give it my flair. And, uh, like I said, I really, really enjoy the spirit of collaboration and working with other people is, has been a huge joy to me.
0: Does bunny hang out with you while you're working on your art?
1: Well, to be perfectly honest, I haven't been spending a lot of time working on my art because I've been spending a lot of time with bunny recently uh, my business slowed significantly once the pandemic started, which, um, you know, thankfully gave me a whole lot of time to dedicate to my relationship with bunny, which has sort of taken precedence now. Okay.
0: I, w- I could just see her. I would be kind of funny if you said, oh, and she communicates with me, like, Put that there. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> she becomes your design like, partner. this is
1: the wrong weave. You need the other weave. <laughs> okay, bunny. Okay. Okay.
0: So that'd actually be pretty funny. Have, has, have you ever, well, you probably haven't, but I just, have you ever thought about creating a piece for her to wear?
1: I have, yeah. Um, okay. And there were actually a couple of photo shoots we did just before the pandemic started where she was wearing uh, a piece that I made. we're sort of on the beach and I'm in this crazy gown and she's wearing this super chunky necklace. It wasn't made specifically for her, but it did look quite lovely on her.
0: That's, that's very cool. That's, that's very cool. So before, you know, so this question we always like to ask people is like when you're not working or when you're not working, you know, working, filming with Bunny. And before the pandemic, where did you guys like to go? What, what did you do for, relaxation or fun in the, in the Washington area, Uh, Tacoma specific, if you want, or, you know, anywhere, anywhere in the state.
1: Well, my husband, Johnny and I um, love to be outdoors. We love to go backpacking and hiking. Um, We're avid climbers. We've summited Rainier a couple of times and done a lot of multi-pitch climbing adventures in the North Cascades. So really getting out there and sort of seeing what Washington has to offer in spots that aren't, um, as immediately accessible has been a, a huge joy of ours.
0: Yeah. How did you like, uh, summoning Rainier? What was your experience? Like, um, uh, a friend, a good friend of mine, uh, tried multiple times to summit it and, um, he finally did summit it and he shared with me his experience. I'm just curious, what, how was it for you oh, when you summited Rainier?
1: Brutal it's an absolute slog. (laughs) It's like type two fun, you know, like this is going to be a fun memory, but this sucks. Um, (laughs) but you know, it's like the spirit of adventure. I, I, I love doing things that can't be done. You know, like someone says to me, you can't do this. I'm like, okay, here we go. Um, And yeah, I love being challenged and um, it's definitely a challenge emotionally and physically. Um, So yeah, it's, it's great.
0: So what was it like to stand up there at the summit though? When you, when you finally got to the top, what was that like for you?
1: It was a little bit anticlimactic to be perfectly honest. It was like, okay, we did it, but now we still have to go down. The descent (laughs) is always the hardest part because you're tired, okay. you're paying less attention um and you've got you've you achieved your goal and now you have to get home. Um you
0: still have a bunch of work to do. You
1: still have a bunch of work to do. I think summiting peaks where you're on a multi-pitch climb um that's not just like a slow slog up the mountain like Rainier is are a little bit more rewarding to me. Um yeah but i don't because know it, it all... i don't know which. You... oh go Oops, ahead i was just oh. gonna say i think i think because it's a little bit scarier to me when i'm using when i'm going straight up and there's pitches and pitches of rope and i never know exactly what to expect um and then you make that last haul your hand goes up your hand goes up your foot goes up your foot goes up and you're on the top of this precipice that always feels really really dramatic to me um they're all dramatic I mean I think by the time I get to the top of anything I'm just so exhausted um but I'm just sort of thankful and like on a high
0: okay From a, okay. So let me ask you this. If you were to go hiking or climbing right now, if you could go, what would be the next place you'd want to conquer? Oh, do you have one? Do you have one in mind that you'd go, "Hmm, I'd like to try that.
1: Well, my husband always talks about the wine spires in the North Cascades. Um, and they sound really, really challenging and I haven't been climbing a lot recently, but I'd love to do that. Um, but I also am very, very attached to Bunny. So I, right now, I, I probably would just want to go on some nice long hikes with Bunny. Johnny and sure. I got married um, out at Lake Crescent in the Olympic National Forest, and it's so the... gorgeous out there. Um, and I yes. think it'd be really fun um, just to take a little day trip out there and do some hiking around with her. So that's probably where we'd go next.
0: And and how, do you think she will she be the, the a dog that enjoys going on hikes? I mean, do, uh more than just a walk in the park type thing, but you know, do you think she's going to enjoy not a, you know, not a seriously technical hike or climb, but you know, what do you think? Do you think Bunny's going to be a good partner on the trail?
1: Yes, I absolutely do. She pays really close attention to where I am when we are walking together. Um, and she pauses at forks in the road. She's constantly Mm -hmm. checking in with me. Um, I think she's going to be a fantastic hiking companion.
0: That's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. So why don't we wrap this up with a couple of little you know you can why don't you share with us places that people can find out more about Bunny's adventures? Okay. And uh, kind of we'll let you close with that. Like where can people find Bunny? And um, yeah, let's go there.
1: Sure. Um, so you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at What About Bunny with underscores between What and about and about and bunny sorry that was long um at what about bunny with underscores
0: (laughs) okay i'll link to this in the show notes so people can click on it it's okay Okay, perfect
1: (laughs) and if you're looking for resources on how to teach your own animal how to do this i have a lot of resources linked in my story highlights on instagram Um, you can go to how.theycantalk.org which is um, an information gathering spot. People talk about the research. They talk about troubleshooting problems. Um, There's a whole wonderful forum there where you can get a ton of great information. There are a couple of Facebook groups that are focused on this too. Um, I think Hunger for Words fan group. um, I can't remember what the other one's called, but um, there are people that are constantly posting progress and, and troubleshooting tips there. I also just recently did a, a, an hour-long live Q&A, um, which is posted to my YouTube channel. And that's linked in my bio on both TikTok and Instagram.
0: Okay. And Bunny, you have your own website for Bunny too,
1: correct? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. What about Whataboutbunny.com?
0: Great. Well, I really appreciate you being on. This was um, a lot of fun for me. And like I said, a week ago, I might have been the only person that didn't know about Bunny. And- <laughs> I, I think it's pretty, pretty amazing what's going on here. And I look forward to, you know, following along and seeing. I'm just curious. I really am fascinated by the development and what, what might come of this.
1: So am I. Yeah.
0: And, um, I, I think the <laughs> way you're handling it and going about letting her be kind of the, the driver uh, of it, it, as long as she's interested, we'll keep participating. I think that's wonderful. I think. Um, that's very cool, but I did. I just. I'm going to have to. I lied. I have one last question. The <laughs> the buttons. Can you can you explain the about the buttons? Because I'm I'm looking at a close up of the board now, and I see buttons with blue, and it looks like it has a paw on it. And then I see uh, buttons that are white with like a hand and it's hard to tell, but then I see one button that's wrapped in orange. Mm -hmm. What is the, who designed the buttons and and do you, what can you share about those?
1: Yeah. So the system is made by fluent pet and um, the, the photograph that you're looking at right now is probably an older photograph because I've through our journey, I've used various iterations of their product, various different prototypes. So, some of them are earlier prototypes of buttons. Um, they're constantly improving and iterating on the product. So, the tiles are getting sturdier. The buttons are, have a better sound quality and a higher volume now. So, some of my buttons are the older ones. Most of them are the okay. newer ones now. Most of the tiles are the newer ones I'm using, but I'm constantly sort of upgrading and testing new products and seeing what works best.
0: Okay. And so, the the like the blue ones that have paws on them are these more for you when you're casually looking at the board? Are they, or are they symbols of a certain word in in the
1: structure of it? No. So the um, the blue based buttons with the white tops and the little paws that's how they come standard. And every Fluent Pet kit comes with some ideogram stickers that then you can write the word in. Um, in theory to help your learner recognize where each specific button is, but also so that you too can memorize the board. Okay.
0: Okay. And do these buttons, it must be battery powered. Yep. And you can swap the batteries out or yep. I would hope. Okay. All right. Sorry. That was squirrel moment that I tend to Go down rabbit holes. I apologize for that. No, I just think this is awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for for being with us. And I, like I said, I am really looking forward to following Bunny and seeing as she progresses.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having us. This has been really fun.
0: I'm th- thanks for making the time.